Chapter Twenty One of Fighting the Flames by R. M. Ballantyne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Zena Blue. Chapter Twenty One of Fighting the Flames. Miss Tippet's tea-party began by the arrival of Willie Wilders, who, being fond of society, and regardless of fashion, understood his hostess literally when she named her tea-hour. For full half an hour, therefore, he had to the field to himself, and improved the occasion by entertaining Miss Tippet and Emma Ward with an account of the wonderful inventions that emanated from the fertile brain of Mr. Thomas Tippet. Strange to say, a deep and lasting friendship had sprung up between the eccentric old gentleman and his volatile assistant. Willie sympathized so fully with his master in his wild schemes, and displayed withal such an aptitude for mechanical contrivance, and such a ready appreciation of complex theories, that Mr. Tippet soon came to forget his extreme youth, and to converse with him, propound schemes and new ideas to him, and even ask his advice, with as much seriousness as though he had been a full-grown man. This was, of course, very gratifying to Willie, who repaid his master's condescension and kindness by devoting himself heart and soul to the duties of what he styled his profession. He was a good deal put out when his brother Frank asked him one day what his profession was, and resolving never again to be placed in such an awkward position of ignorance, asked his employer what was the name of his business, to which the employer replied that it had no particular name, but on being urged by his assistant to give it a name, he suggested that he might, if so disposed, style himself a polyartist, which, he explained, meant an artist of many occupations. Willie felt that this might be translated jack-of-all-trades, but on mature consideration he resolved to adopt it in the belief that few people would understand what it meant, and that thereby he would be invested with a halo of mystery, which was, upon the whole, a gratifying reflection. Gradually, however, Willie was led to diverge from his employer to his brother Frank, in regard to whom Miss Tippet entertained the strongest feelings of admiration, because of his courageous conduct in saving Louisa Arberley. Willie pursued this theme all the more willingly that Emma appeared to be deeply interested in it. Emma Ward was very romantic in her nature, yet she had a keen appreciation of the ludicrous, which caused her to appear somewhat light-headed and giddy in the eyes of superficial observers. But she possessed an underlying earnestness of soul, which displayed itself in a thousand ways to those who had much intercourse with her. She was an ardent hero-worshipper, and while Miss Tippet was her heroine, Frank Wilders was, at that time, her beau ideal of a hero, although she only knew him from description. Willie was still in the middle of a glowing account of a fire, in which Frank and his friends Dale and Baxmore were the chief actors, and Emma was listening with heightened color, parted lips, and sparkling eyes, when Maddie Marion opened the door and announced Mr. Tippet. That gentleman was still in the act of shaking his sister's hands with both of his, and kissing her on both cheeks heartily, when Maddie announced Miss Demas. Maddie, being Irish, allowed her soul to gush out too obviously in her tones, so that her feelings towards the eagle, though unexpressed, were discernible. 
Miss Demas strode up to Miss Tippet and pecked her on the right cheek, much as an eagle might peck a tender rabbit, which it could slay and devour if it chose, but which it preferred to spare for a time. She was immediately introduced to Mr. Tippet, whom she favored with a stiff bow, intended to express armed neutrality in the meantime, with a possibility, if not a probability, of war in the future. The eccentric gentleman felt chilled, but ventured to express an opinion in regard to the weather, glancing for confirmation of the same towards the window, through which he naturally enough expected to see the sky, but was baffled by only seeing the green Venetian blinds, which rolled off the opposite houses in narrow stripes. Before he had recovered himself to make any further observation, Miss Demas had attempted, in a condescending way, to peck the cheek of Emma Ward, but that young lady, feeling disinclined, so managed that she received the peck on her forehead. On Willie, Miss Demas bestowed a glance of utter indifference, which Willie replied to with a gaze of desperate defiance. Then Miss Demas seated herself on the sofa and asked her dear friend how she did and how she felt and whether things in general were much as usual, from which elevated region of generalities she gradually descended into the more particular sphere of gossip and scandal. It is only just to Miss Tippet to say that the eagle did not find her a congenial bird of prey in this region. On the contrary, she had to drag her unwilling friend down into it, and as Miss Tippet was too conscientious and kind-hearted to agree with her in sweeping censures and caustic observations and willful misconstructions, it is difficult to conceive wherein she, the eagle, found pleasure in her society. Probably it was because she found in her one who would submit weakly to any amount of contradiction and listen patiently to any amount of vituperative declamation. "'So it seems Mr. Arberley has disinherited and dismissed my son, my dear,' said Miss Demas, smoothing her dress with both hands, as though she were about to lay Mr. Arberley in her lap and analyze him. "'I'm sorry to say that is too true, Julia,' answered Miss Tippet with a sigh. "'Ha! It's so like one of those creatures,' said Miss Demas, pursing her thin lips, so domineering, so towering in their pride of mere physical power.' Mr. Tippet glanced at the eagle in surprise, not being able to understand to what sort of creatures she made reference. "'Poor Frederick,' sighed Miss Tippet. "'I don't know what he'll do. "'Ring the bell, Emma, darling. "'He's such a bold, high-spirited young man, "'and it's all owing to his determination to take to—to to what's his name as a profession. "'Bring the tea, Maddie. It's very sad.' "'That must be a new sort of profession,' observed Miss Demons pointedly. "'Oh, I mean painting, you know. "'It's impossible to arrange one's things in such a very correct language, you know, dear Julia. "'You're really too—oh, did you hear of Joe Corney and what's his fireman's visit to Mrs. Denman? "'To be sure you did. I forgot it was in your house. "'It was such a funny account. You heard of it. "'Brother, ring the bell again, dear, didn't you?' Mr. Tippet, who wanted vivacity, was quite subdued by the freezing influence of the eagle, said that he had not heard of it, whereupon Miss Tippet said that she had heard of it, and so had Willie Wilders, who had heard of it from his brother Frank, who had heard of it from Joe Corney himself, and then she attempted to relate the matter, but failed, and finally asked Willie to tell the story, which Willie did with much gusto, looking at Miss Demas all the time, 
and speaking in a very positive tone, as if he thought she was doubting every word he said, and was resolved to hurl it in her teeth, whether she chose to believe it or not. "'Capital!' exclaimed Mr. Tippet, laughing heartily, when Willie had concluded. "'What an energetic old lady she must be! Really, I must get introduced to her, and show her the self-acting fire extinguisher I've just invented. You remember it, Willie?' Willie nodded. "'I've laid it aside for some time, but it is very nearly complete now. A little more work on it will finish it. My only difficulty in regard to this is—'Madam,' he addressed himself to Miss Demas here, "'that is apt to burst, and I am uncertain whether or not to add a safety valve to prevent such a catastrophe, or to make the metal so very strong that nothing short of gunpowder would burst it. But then, you see, that would make the whole affair too heavy—' However, these are only minor difficulties of detail, which a little thought will overcome. Miss Demas received all this with a sinister smile, and replied with a single word, Oh! After which she turned immediately to Miss Tippet, and remarked that the weather had been unusually warm of late for the season of the year, which remark so exasperated Willie Wilders, that he turned with a face of crimson to Emma, and asked her if she didn't feel a draught of cold air coming over her from somewhere, and whether she would not sit nearer the fire, and further away from the window. Willie meant this for an uncommonly severe cut, for Miss Demas sat at the end of the sofa, near the window. Fortunately, at this point, Maddie Marion ushered in Lou Arberly, who was instantly enfolded in Miss Tippet's arms, and thence transferred to Emma's, in which she was led to the sofa, and gently deposited in the softest corner. "'Darling Lou!' exclaimed Miss Tippet, with tears in her eyes. "'You look so thin and pale.' There could be no doubt on that point. Little Lou, as Emma styled her, was worn to a shadow by sickness, which had hitherto baffled the doctor's skill. But she was a beautiful shadow, such a sweet, gentle shadow, that one might feel thankful, rather than otherwise, to be haunted by it. "'Pray, don't mind me. I'm too tired to speak to you yet. Just go on talking. I like to listen,' said Lou softly. With ready kindness, Miss Tippet at once sought to draw attention from the child by reverting to Mrs. Denman, and Mattie created a little opportune confusion by stumbling into the room with the tea. Mattie usually tripped over the carpet at the door, and never seemed to become wiser from experience. "'Poor Mrs. Denman,' said Mrs. Tippet, pouring out the tea. "'It must have been an awful shock. Think of a sugar brother? I always forget.' "'What was I? Oh, yes, think of a fireman seizing one round the cream, Willie. I know you have a sweet tooth, so I don't need to ask you if you take sugar.' "'Yes, he carried her down that dreadful, what do you call it, and into the next house with nothing. A little more sugar, Julia? No? Nothing on her, but what's his name? Oh, it was sad, sad to lose all her fine things, too. Her furniture and, and thingamies. Do try a piece of cake, brother.' "'I know worse case than her,' said Willie, with a knowing look. "'Do you?' exclaimed Miss Tippet. "'Oh, do tell it,' cried Emma earnestly. "'He's just been telling it to me, and it is so sad and interesting.' "'Come, let's hear about it, lad,' said Mr. Tippet. Thus encouraged, Willie related his venture with the clown's family, and told his tale with such genuine feeling that Miss Tippet, Lou, and Emma found their eyes moist when he had concluded.' 
There was a good deal of comment upon this subject, and Miss Demas animadverted very strongly upon actors in general, and clowns in particular, as to ballet girls she could not find words to express her contempt for them, but in reference to this Miss Tippet ventured to rebuke her friend, and to say that although she could not and would not defend the position of these unfortunates, yet she felt that they were very much to be pitied, seeing that they were in many cases trained to their peculiarity in delicate life by their parents. He had been taught to regard ballet dancing as quite a proper and legitimate what's-its-name. No doubt this was only a palliation of the life they led, but she thought that if anyone was to be severely blamed in the matter, it was the people who went to witness and encourage such wicked displays. Miss Demas dissented generally from all her friend's observations, and, wishing to change the subject, asked Lou if her father was coming to fetch her home. No, said Lou, dear papa is not well tonight, but he is to send the carriage for me. Oh, I wish, she continued reverting to the previous subject, I wish I could do something for these poor people. I'm so very, very sorry for the fairy. So you can, if you choose, said Miss Demas sharply. No, indeed I cannot, replied Lou in an earnest voice. I'm too ill and weak now to be of any use to anyone. Once I was useful to dear Papa, but ever since the fire I have not been of use to anybody, only a hindrance to them. Since I have been ill I have thought much more about what I read in the Bible, and I have had a great desire to do good in some way or other. But how can I, so weak and helpless? Lou almost sobbed, for her sympathies had been awakened by Willie, and a chord had been touched what had been vibrating in her chest for some weeks past. "'Your father is rich, is he not?' asked the eagle. "'Yes, I believe so. Well, a word to him may be the cause of much good, in the shape of money at least, to people in distress. But rich people don't always like to spend their money in that way.' Lou hung down her head and made no reply, for she knew that her father did not like to part with money. She had often heard him refuse to do so in days gone by, even when the very pathetic appeals, as she thought, were made to him, and experience told her that it was in vain to look for help in that quarter. The party was now increased by the arrival of Frederick Arberley, who at once infused life into everyone, except Miss Demas, who had life enough of her own, and would by no means accept a loan of any from anyone else. Fred therefore ignored her altogether, and told stories and cracked jokes and sang songs as if no such female iceberg were present. Poor Lou was overjoyed to see him, and laying her head on his breast, bade him speak away and not ask questions, only speak and allow her to listen and rest. Fred obeyed, and at once began an earnest discussion with Willie as to the best method of getting a stout gentleman out of a third-floor window in case of fire, when Mattie Marion entered with a flushed face and said that a fireman who would not give his name wished to see Willie Wilders for a minute, and she was inclined to think it was his brother. "'What, Frank!' exclaimed Willie, rising to go downstairs. "'Stay, Willie,' cried Miss Tippet eagerly. "'Don't go down. Pray let me have him up. I should so like to see him, and I'm sure so would Lou, the man, you know, who went up the what's-its-name and brought you—yes, yeah, send him up, Mattie. Please, ma'am, he won't come, replied the girl. I knowed you would like to see him, and ax him in. Tell him, said Miss Tippet, that I request it as a favor. 
while matty was delivering this message the eagle took occasion to sniff once or twice in a contemptuous manner and wondered why people worshipped men just because they happened to be big and what they called handsome for her part she hated all men but if she were to be obliged to choose between any class which she was thankful to say was not necessary in her case she would certainly give the preference to ugly men and small willie wilders nodded his head approvingly and being exasperated into a savage serio-comic condition as well as by the eagle's voice and aspect as by her sentiments he said that she was quite right and that if he were a lady like her he would hold the same opinions because then said he being stout i could wallop my husband and keep him down and the contrast of his ugly face with mine would not be so obvious Frank's step on the stair fortunately prevented this open and desperate attack being noticed. Next moment all turned their eyes in breathless expectation towards the door. Being on duty, Frank appeared in a fireman's costume, with a sailor-like undress cap in his hand. He bowed to the company and apologized to Miss Tippet for intruding, but he had wished to ask his brother, Willie, to call at the fire station on his way home to convey a letter to his mother, and merely meant to see him at the door. "'I am very glad you came, Mr. Wilder,' said Miss Tippet, "'for I assure you we all regard you as the preserver of our dear Miss Auberly's life "'when you went up the... the thing. "'Here she is. You must shake. That's it. So nice.' "'The last part of Miss Tippet's remark referred to Lou stretching out her hand to Frank, "'who advanced promptly and shook it with great tenderness. "'He then shook hands with Fred.' who expressed his regard for him in warm terms also with mr tippet who paid him some enthusiastic compliments and said something to the effect that the parent stem from which two such branches as he and willie had grown must be a prime plant as he turned for mr tippet who being very short appeared to be looking up at a steeple while he delivered this opinion frank's eyes encountered those of emma ward who was gazing at him in such undisguised admiration that being a somewhat bashful man he felt a little confused and dropped his eyes figuratively on the floor emma blushed scarlet with the shame at being caught in this way and therefore became rigidly grave and indifferent when frank again raised his eyes which by the way he did immediately they encountered the eagle glance of miss demas frowning defiance on him as being a sort of type or pattern specimen of his highly objectionable race. Had Miss Demas been a man, which would have gratified her more than she could have expressed, Frank could have met the frown with a smile of pity. As it was, he turned to the little eager countenance of Miss Tippet and felt deeper respect than ever for the sex, thus showing that just as an exception proves a rule, so an unfavorable contrast strengthens a cause. "'Pray sit down, Mr. Wilders,' entreated Miss Tippet earnestly. "'I should like so much to hear how you did it from your own lips, "'and how you can possibly venture up such dreadful things, "'just like going up the outside of the monument. "'Dear Lou, and you came down it, too, "'but to be sure your eyes were shut, which was all as well, "'for you were only in your night. "'Ah, oh, well, yes, do sit down, Mr. Fireman Wilders, I mean.' Frank thanked her, but declined on the ground that he was on duty, and that he feared he was doing wrong and even looking in on them for the few minutes he had stayed. "'Good night, ma'am,' he continued. "'Good night. 
"'You call at the station on your way home, Willie?' Willie said he would, and then all the company, excepting the eagle, shook hands with the stalwart fireman, looking up at him as if he were a hero, just returned from the proverbial hundred fights. Even Emma Ward condescended to shake hands with him at parting. "'Perhaps you'll be in the middle of a fire this very night,' cried Tom Tippet, following him to the door. "'It's quite possible,' said Frank, with a smile." Miss Demas was heard to snort contemptuously at this. "'Perhaps you may even save more lives,' cried Miss Tippet. "'It may be so,' answered Frank, again smiling, but evidently feeling anxious to make his escape, for he was not one of those men who liked to be lionized. "'Only think!' exclaimed Miss Tippet, as Frank quitted the room. "'Ha!' ejaculated the eagle, in a tone which was meant to convey her well-known opinion that women would do such things quite as well as men if their muscles were a little stronger. It is but justice to Miss Demas to explain that she did not champion and exalt women out of love to her sex. Love was not one of her strong points. Rampant indignation against those who she bitterly termed lords of creation was her strong tower of refuge, in which she habitually dwelt and from the giddy summit of which she hurled would-be destruction on the doomed males below. Among her various missiles she counted the wrongs of her sex, the most telling shaft, and was in consequence always busy sharpening and polishing and flourishing this dead weapon in the eyes of her friends as well as her enemies, although, of course, she only launched it at the latter. Perched on her self-exalted eyrie, Miss Demas did not know that there was a pretty large number of her own sex in the comparatively humble multitude below, who, while they clearly recognized the wrongs of women, and preferred to call them misfortunes, did not attribute them solely, or even largely, to the wickedness of men, but to the combined wickedness and folly of social society in general, and who were of opinion that such matters were to be put right by patient, persevering, laborious and persistent efforts on the part of men and women acting in concert and not by the unwomanly acts and declamation of ladies of the demas stamp whom they counted the worst enemies of the good cause some wittingly others unwittingly so these people among the comparatively humble multitude below also had the penetration to perceive that the so-called wrongs did not lie all on one side, but that there was a pretty large class of the so-called lords who went about the world habitually in a sad and disgraceful state of moral semi-nakedness, in consequence of their trousers having been appropriated and put on by their better halves, and that therefore it was only meet that men and women should be united, as indeed they were from the first intended to be, in their efforts to put each other's wrongs to rights. In addition to all this, these weak-minded, shall we call them, people, moving in the comparatively humble multitude below, entertained the belief that rising in an antagonism to the male sex in this matter was not only unnecessary and unjust and impolitic, but also ungenerous, for they reflected with much calm satisfaction that the lords are, after all, under woman's control. But Miss Demas and all the ladies of the eagle stamp did not think so, 
they did not believe that a strong mind means a strong enough to exercise its own powers to the ascertainment and reception of truth and the rejection of falsehood and fallacy strong enough under the influence of god's love to perceive the paths of duty and all the ramifications and to resolve to follow them they did not believe that a high spirit in the true sense of the word meant a spirit broken down altogether and brought into subjection to its owners not another's will by no means a strong mind with the demas eagles meant unutterable and unalterable obstinacy blind as a bat with the great guns blazing all round and the colours nailed to the mast high spirit with them meant the inclination ever-present always strong and often asserted to seize all the rest of the world male and female and lead it by the nose the demas eagles as a class receive ready-made opinions fabricated by someone else and call them their own receiving them originally and holding them subsequently not because they are true but because they are pleasant to their eyes and sweet to their taste they hold them stoutly too probably because having no foundation they would be apt to fall and get broken if not upheld having said thus much in behalf of the demas eagles we now dismiss them with an apology to the reader End of chapter twenty one